You're listening to Who Needs Sleep, a podcast for parents. Today's episode, okay, now what? Part two. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. I am Dr. Phil Gallus. And I am Dr. Valerie Lawrence. Thanks for joining us again. You are listening to the second part of our episode on what is the deal with this kid that I just had? <laughs> of course, we got maybe halfway through when we talked last time, so we want to make sure that we give you enough time to talk about everything. So I wouldn't be surprised as we continue. Every episode will be six parts. <laughs> <laughs> We both need sleep as well. So there's going to be a lot of giggling, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, I, I think I've, I've had roughly maybe three, four months of being in that state where when you drink more coffee, it just makes you more aware of how tired you are. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> I am actually at the point where I need coffee right. to go to sleep. Like with my bedtime <laughs> drink. Like, you know what? I'm tired. Let me go ahead and have a cup of coffee <laughs> so I can get a good night's rest. <laughs> Your body's like, hey, you focus on this. Oh, man. But we are both having fun, if you guys can't tell. Parenthood, it is yes. difficult, but it is a lot of fun. It is fun. I am having fun. It is fun. fun. Enjoy. You, just uh, surrender to the fun that is parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. Surrender to the fun. If you're entering parenthood, <laughs> surrender to the fun. <laughs> well, Val, shall we get back into what we were talking about yes, before? Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> So now, now after (laughs) this baby's born, this baby has been through a lot. You've been through a lot. The baby's been through a lot. You're both going to rest kind of. That baby is going to be pretty sleepy generally for that first day, Um, which is a good thing because like I said, you are going to need the rest because after that first day, that baby is most likely going to start waking up Mm -hmm. um, quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Babies will feed often, 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 often. Uh, You know, I think when it comes down to nature, and we're going to have an entire episode where we talk about feeding, but, you know, uh, having that constant baby trying to feed and feed and feed and feed and feed is actually good for stimulating the supply of of milk when moms are breastfeeding. But whether or not babies breastfeeding or formula feeding, they oftentimes will wake up and be feeding quite a bit, you know, so that is something to, to know is going to happen. So uh, it's a good lesson of making sure to get rest where you can. Absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be an ongoing thing as you and your baby get to know each other. But definitely trying to get rest right at that beginning is really important because that baby's going to wake up pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I have some parents who say, oh, we have a good baby. The baby's just been asleep. The baby's just been asleep since the baby was born. I say, yes, because the baby is 22 hours old. When the baby is 24 hours old, <laughs> that child is going to wake up. And as Philip just explained beautifully, like labor and delivery is hard for mommy. It's hard for baby too. There's a lot of adrenaline going through the baby and cortisol going through the baby, steroids. And this is why when the baby comes out, the baby is hollering and screaming, like, what just happened? And then that baby crashes. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that baby will just sleep and not eat as much for the first 24 hours. But on that 25th mm-hmm. hour, oh, that child is like, oh, that was a good nap. <laughs> oh. See, this is why. So, you know, our daughter was born in the afternoon mm-hmm. and the next morning, 
uh, in the hospital, the nurse came in and she was like, hey, so you guys going home today? And we're like, what? No, no. It has not even been that long. And, I, you know, I think it is good to be able to get home and get used to doing things. But um, I, I mean, personally, you know, we were first time parents and it was mm-hmm. like, I think really trying to make sure that we, we feel at least a bit more prepared. Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> I recommend, especially for first-time parents, to stay that extra day. If they offer to let you stay in the hospital the extra day, stay in the hospital the extra day. One extra day in the hospital is not going to affect the lifetime you have with this child. So just stay mm-hmm. the extra day. Take the <laughs> extra help. It's fine. You're not a bad parent to stay the extra day. I mean, because even just being in the hospital and having food brought to you helps. Because when you're at home, the nurses can't go with you. You're not going to have people coming in to give you your meds and all that stuff. It's it's just going to be whoever your support system is at home. I mean, that's another thing is if you are giving birth in, in a hospital, um, there are people there who can help you through the process of getting to know what's what mm-hmm. um, and specifically lactation consultants if you're breastfeeding yes. if that hospital which I think most of them do who have birthing centers if that hospital has lactation consultants get them <laughs> there in to, to, to help you because they they could be very 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 helpful yes, absolutely um, something that I think I would also recommend uh, and I know this is kind of almost going back to what we were talking about like what do I do before in your bag of stuff to have when you go to wherever you are going to be giving birth i would include a notebook at least in concept even if you have like a particular notepad page on your phone or something but i i would i would suggest having a notebook and a pen so that you can write down things questions that you have you know as they pop up in real time it can be really really helpful to have something where you can document it may be something in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, okay, I have to remember to ask this tomorrow. You know, when I see the pediatrician or when I see the doctor, you may not remember it. Write it down. It may be gibberish when you read it the next morning. <laughs> right. And you will not remember it if you no. don't write it down. And then you may not remember where you wrote it down. Because I have told parents, you know, write it down. You know, I'll be back in the morning, mm-hmm. write down any questions. And they've written things on napkins. And then mm-hmm. they don't know where the napkins are. So a notebook is a fantastic idea. You know, we ended up actually, you know, our, our daughter was spitty, colicky, reflexy baby with jaundice and the big bruise on her head the first few months of her life were, were, were actually a little challenging in a lot of ways uh we had some friends who also had a baby who, who had similar kinds of issues and they're mm-hmm. like you know if you have a journal if you can just write down one positive experience that you had mm-hmm. every day it really is good for your sanity um it's really <laughs> nice it's really and yeah. i would recommend that to anybody if you have something where you write down one positive experience that you had with that baby every single day um you're going to have multiple journals you know yeah. in, at least for the first few months or so and being able to like thumb through those is just uh, i know it's just a nice sentimentally it's a very nice experience to have that's adorable i yeah. like that yeah. I'm going to steal that and kind of use that. Yeah, That's take great. it. It this is, you know, every yeah, you can all steal that idea. <laughs> it was really helpful for us. It really was. Now, pooping and peeing for this baby cuz this is their job, right? Is to be cute, to sleep, <laughs> to eat, and then to poop and pee. Yeah. Something to keep in mind here is that the pooping is going to vary a lot 
from baby to baby, and even baby from day one to baby day two, we really um, give those babies the first day or so to even have one. But for the peeing, that should follow ideally a bit more predictable of a pattern where it increases over the course of the first few days. So it's only expected in that first day that your baby's going to have a couple of wet diapers, if that, right? Yeah. I mean, even even one wet diaper the yeah. first day is fine. It's okay. And it should just kind of go up by one yeah. for the first three days. So one pee on the first day, two pee on the second day, three pees on the third day. Yeah, um, that's a good way to do it. Most, most babies pee more than that, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just minimum one in the first 24 hours for that's yeah. just kind of the rule of thumb and yeah with poop poop it's 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 in there it's coming out <laughs> so some babies they don't poop for the first it's two three there. days some trust us it's in some there poop <laughs> at, right some poop as they're coming out you know so it's in there and it's and it's coming out and there's a wide range of of poop and so the first poops are going to be black. They're going to yes. be black. They're going to be thick. They're going to be tarry. They're going to be sticky. You know, something that I'd never told people during our residency, Val and I had multiple months where we ran the newborn nursery mm-hmm. um, yeah. together. <laughs> but I, I never really told parents in the first few days, while that poop is so sticky, put Vaseline on your baby's bottom because it makes it so much easier to clean up. You know It's what? really helpful. It's really, really helpful because that stuff is sticky. It is Vaseline. sticky and thick. That's interesting because yeah. what we did was we would just always get some warm water in a bucket and put the wipes in there to make the wipes really wet yeah. and then wipe it off. And oh, yeah. then it, it came off a little bit easier. But Vaselina, you yeah. are just giving us tons of tips today, you know, Philip. Val. Journaling. Hey, and Vaseline. You know, an, an, ounce, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. <laughs> <laughs> if you can keep that poop from sticking to that bottom, it's going to oh, make your life a little great. bit easier. Yeah, because that stuff is yeah. sticky. I mean, and it just sticks. It is this sticky. thick, dark, sticky stuff that is normal. But yeah, so I mean, that's what we started doing because they told us that in the hospital. I was like, oh my gosh, why have I not been doing it? Petroleum jelly is going to be one of your best friends. It is a single ingredient uh, uh, you know, um, miracle salve, <laughs> miracle salve. Uh, it's, it is a great moisturizer and it's good for a barrier cream to keep diaper rashes mm-hmm. away as mm-hmm. well. So <laughs> now for the pee, for the urine, your baby, like we said, is only going to be peeing once or twice in the first couple days. And you may notice that there's this like pinkish reddish hue to what's in the diaper. And that is normal. It's something that the phrase that we use that that I think actually really sums up what it looks like is brick dust. It's that sort of pinkish color. Those are just some some crystals from the urinary system. And those are completely normal. So if you see those, it's okay. Yes, it's not blood. No. It is not blood. No. I repeat, it is not blood. It is not blood. It is not blood. (laughs) It is common. Yeah. You do not need to take your child to the emergency department for that. It is normal. Well, and you know, obviously you, you should be taking your kid to see their pediatrician, you know, within the first couple of days after giving birth to them, after going home rather. And so they can help you figure out whether or not something is, is emergency room worthy. But, you know, a lot of things that happen with babies after they're born have to do with the fact that there's exposure to certain hormones while they're in the womb and then not when they're out. And so that withdrawal, just like when our bodies as adults or adolescents uh, go through any big hormone changes, things happen. So your baby may grow breasts, small breasts, and they actually may have milk that comes out of them. And that can be very unnerving 
if you don't know that that might happen. Exactly. <laughs> and it's normal. It's normal. It's normal. This is, but this is also why. This is why also why people used to call it witch's milk, which is not <laughs> for something that's normal for your baby to be doing. By the way, that includes if you have a baby boy, they can still get those breast buds. Um, you know, they can still have that same kind of thing happen. And it's OK. Absolutely. That's all right. And, yeah. you know, and if you have a baby girl, your baby girl may mm-hmm. have some vaginal discharge. It may be. Um, kind of like a white, kind of white, thicky, oh, thicky, <laughs> yeah. white and sticky, <laughs> thicky. thick kind of discharge, or they can even have vaginal bleeding, mm-hmm. which can also be, I think vaginal bleeding for a newborn is probably, I don't know if that's scarier than witch's milk from a newborn boy, or maybe they're equal. You maybe know, it's a sliding equal. scale, Val. <laughs> yeah. It's very, if you don't know. But again, it's, It's because your child is getting hormones 24-7 through the umbilical cord. And then all of a sudden, that cord is cut. Mm -hmm. Tragically, like (laughs) tragically, and it's a traumatic experience birth. And it's just that withdrawal from the hormones can cause, you know, some unnerving type of thing. (laughs) And this is all normal. Yep. It is normal, 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 normal. You know, I mean, we've we've given you a bucket full of things that are weird (laughs) (laughs) that might be very off-putting uh you know in those first couple days but now you know to expect them if you didn't already before or maybe you did before and you forgot now you remember oh right that stuff did happen and you know i think the question then becomes the opposite of okay well then when do i need to be worried when do i need to call my doctor um when do i need to ask for help certainly first off ask for help whenever you feel like you need help as pediatricians we do not mind being bothered at two o'clock in the morning i don't mind having a phone call in the middle of the night and being able to tell a parent you know, that's actually okay. That's normal. That's a nice phone call for me to have. Give me those phone calls. I'm happy to do this. Yeah, (laughs) it's a fantastic phone call. Another option is to actually, especially if it's over the weekend, let's say you get discharged Mm. on a Friday and you can't get in to see your pediatrician until Monday or Tuesday, call the OB unit at the hospital. Yeah. You'll be able to get, uh, there's nurses there 24-7. So you'll actually have a Mm -hmm. nurse who'll be able to kind of talk you through what you're concerned about. If there's a pediatrician that may be in the hospital for another reason, you might be able to get on the phone with them or they'll call the pediatrician that's on call if there's an Mm -hmm. answer that they can't answer. And since your child was born there, they already know the baby's history and everything. So Mm -hmm. the hospital is always open. There's always (laughs) staff there. (laughs) Yeah, there's always somebody. And, you know, the other thing, if worse comes to worse... Call your mom, call yes. your mom, call your sister, <laughs> call somebody else who has had a kid, preferably somebody who's had one perhaps even a little bit more recently than that. Because uh, there, there, there are so many things that you did when you were a baby that your parent learned the same exact way that you're about to. And I'm sure it actually might even make some of them feel good to be able to help you out with this. Because, right, to be um, needed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, you know, I think there's a lot of, you know, it's good to have the idea of being like a super mom and being like a superhero kind of to be a parent it's a lot of work it's uh it's it's a big job but you will need help at some point 
You will need somebody else's input, and really, you can be part of a a bigger community of parents. Absolutely, and, <laughs> guys. Yeah. You know how many times I have called Philip because I was concerned about my child, <laughs> and my mother is here with me, and I was like, and I would ask her, and I just didn't like her answer, so I called <laughs> Philip, and of course, Philip said the exact same thing that my mother said. And then I still made a doctor's appointment to take yep. my child to go see oh, yeah. his pediatrician. And my mother asked me, well, if you saw this child in your clinic, <laughs> what would you say? I said, oh, I'd say it's this. And she's like, well, do that. So I can't. Nope. I can't be subjective it's when it's different. my own child. I need more opinions. <laughs> it's, oh, you know, I mean, it's funny. The number of people who have said to my wife, oh, it must be so nice that your husband's a pediatrician. <laughs> And like, she's like, because uh, <laughs> I, I remember the number of times that I was asked a question and I gave the response of that's normal or that's okay or that'll go away. <laughs> and just seeing the dissatisfied, unimpressed face that I got back. <laughs> and, and, oh, you know, and that's okay. That's you know, I, I mean, that's another reason to ask people is because you're going to get, uh, you know, a, a couple a couple of answers. But she would call our friend who was our daughter's pediatrician because we live in a small community <laughs> and she would get the same answer. But she would still call to talk with her because <laughs> my answer wasn't good enough. It's okay. I know. I'm it's, okay. It's, yeah. And, you know, and my yeah. own answer wasn't good enough for me. Exactly. Like, it was just... And it's, yeah. it's, I don't know, it's weird. It's hard to be subjective on this own. Yeah. Kid, so. yeah. So don't feel ashamed about asking for help about, you know, questions that you have about your baby, questions you have about yourself or how you're feeling after this, because it is a lot. <laughs> but is a but lot, so, so big things that we're looking out for. Yes. So one of them is, like we said, that baby is going to be sleepy for that first day. They will probably start waking up more. If you start to notice that that baby isn't doing that so much that's definitely something certainly to pay attention to feel that baby and if that baby is feeling warm in the first three months of life the only accurate way to check a temperature on an infant is a rectal temperature the fancy forehead thermometers are always wrong always 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 wrong they're, <laughs> the they're ear so ones wrong. are even worse than the than the oh, forehead ones <laughs> Yeah, we we do these uh these little like laser gun you know um, yeah like you check in for meat we, in a in a refrigerator and yeah. a meat locker. Well, I have not been my temperature going into work. We're doing these screenings. My my temperature has not been over ninety seven degrees for the past like <laughs> month. Well, I'm like every, I could I don't think I'm ninety seven I mean, degrees the, every day. The first few times I took my son, you know, for like his his initial checkup and then his two week checkup, they did the forehead one. And he he had a fever. It was like 101. And then they took it rectally and he was 98.9. And this is at the doctor's office. Yeah. And so yeah. they always double checked and their equipment was the forehead thing is just, I don't, I just wish they would stop selling them because they're just not yeah. very good. You'll, you'll, you'll notice this as a theme throughout our podcast as time goes on, that we can probably amass a list of things we wish they wouldn't sell. <laughs> I know, right? Retractable dog leashes and forehead thermometers. (laughs) Number one and number two, maybe in that order. I'm not sure. Not sure yet. And, you know, a rectal temperature, it can make you feel uneasy. The only part of the thermometer that needs to be inserted into your baby's bottom is just that little metal tip. That's the only, that's as far as you need to push it in. I wouldn't recommend using any type of Vaseline or anything like that because that Mm. could potentially alter the reading. 
but it doesn't have to go in that far. And you do not have to get a fancy rectal thermometer. You Mm -hmm. can go buy a regular $1 or less digital thermometer from your local pharmacy. And once it uses a rectal thermometer, it should always be a rectal Congratulations, you have a forever rectal thermometer. Yes. And (laughs) I don't care how often you clean it. I don't mm-hmm. care if you use bleach. That is now a rectal mm-hmm. thermometer. So put a red X or a red <laughs> R or something yep, so that something. you will remember that this is the rectal thermometer. Yeah. You know what? Have two thermometers. <laughs> Label one number one, one number two. <laughs> you know? I mean, however you need to do it. <laughs> you could just... Man, Philip, you're killing it with these with these tips today, man. I it, love you know, it. I love yeah. it. It's uh, we, we didn't do that, uh, the number one, number two thing. But there was just, this is the baby's... <laughs> This is the baby's thermometer. It's like yes, it's specific to the baby's, the baby's kit we know. in its own little sleeve. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, if your baby is having low energy, has a, a high temperature, has a fever, something over a hundred, really, call. So that'd be a reason to call, uh, you know, Absolutely. and talk to a doctor. Uh, another thing would be if your baby's looking very yellow, the bilirubin level which causes jaundice in newborns, tends to go up in the first week of life, and then it goes down afterwards. So a lot of babies will develop some jaundice. They should measure that before your baby leaves the hospital, regardless of how yellow, because it turns out that the actual color of your baby does not really give us a good idea of what the level of bilirubin is and whether or not your baby might need phototherapy, which is uh, lights to help them or not. So if your mm-hmm. baby is suddenly looking more yellow, like a little highlighter, their eyes are yellow, um, you know, all of that stuff, then definitely give your doctor a call. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you go home, we mm-hmm. usually recommend don't let the baby go longer than three hours without eating. Mm-hmm. Or at least being offered a feed, I guess we could put it. Yes. So yeah. let's say the baby sleep, it's been three hours, you try to wake the baby up, the baby, uh, you know, doesn't really want to feed. That's okay. So then you wait another two, three hours and the baby doesn't really want to wake up and doesn't want to feed. That's not okay. Something to keep in mind here is that you are comfy. You're comfy. (laughs) And when we are comfy and warm, we fall asleep. That's just what we do. If you want to know whether or not there's actually a problem with your baby being that sleepy, get that baby undressed. You know, you can kind of tap their feet a little bit. See See if he or she wakes up. The majority vast 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 majority of times they will and they'll be annoyed and they'll want something to comfort them and guess what (laughs) you are trying to feed them so they will take that feed um you know so that's that's definitely um something that you can can do (laughs) so if the baby is not making good amount of wet diapers then yeah you should call at Mm -hmm. least talk to someone over the phone yeah and uh, you know that feeding Every, every three hours, at least every three hours, uh, that's really until your baby's back to their birth weight. They can start sleeping longer, Absolutely. probably a couple of weeks into things, you know, but by that point, you're seeing a pediatrician and you should have, you know, establish a relationship mm-hmm. with them and everything. Um, and one of the things that we, of course, need to talk about uh, is circumcision. And I, I, we're not really going to get into the whether or not you should. I think it's a really personal thing. Yeah, you know? I agree. And what I find, because I actually do circumcisions in the hospital, is that it's usually dad's decision for the most part from what I what I kind of notice. Like huh. moms are kind of like, well, you know, his yeah. dad wants it done, and which is understandable, especially if 
you know, dad is, then they'll kind of lean toward, okay, well, let's circumcise the baby. But huh. yeah, I thought it was interesting. In my experience, um, it's been dad's decision. That's how it was with my son too. It was his father's decision because yeah. I, I was, huh. yeah, I was a firm believer in like, you know, leave it alone. Let him decide when he gets older. Um, but his dad <laughs> yeah. was like, no, let's get it done while he won't remember. So, <laughs> you know. That's that's a good point. So, I mean, some people will say you really should leave it up to somebody whether or not they are going to make the decision to have that done. But I think the people who would want it done would be like, yeah, I really wish they had yeah. done that before yeah. <laughs> before I was like 12 or whatever, <laughs> whatever I make that decision. As 100%. A, yeah. Yeah. But regardless of whatever reason you do have a circumcision, if you do choose to have one for your kid, the question is, what do I do about this thing? Uh, Were we trained? I mean, I remember that the kids would go home and there wasn't anything left Mm -hmm, on there. mm -hmm. Uh, Where I've been practicing lately, some of the people who do the circumcision, some of the OB-GYNs who do the circumcisions will leave this piece of like petroleum jelly coated Mm -hmm. gauze on Mm -hmm. the head of the penis and then tell the parents uh, to take it off in a few days, which it's a little nerve wracking. I will do it for the parents, but I find it nerve wracking. Yeah, you know, and where (laughs) when I was practicing back in Illinois, they were leaving the Mm -hmm. Vaseline gauze on. But when I do circumcision, I have the nurses take it off after 30 minutes just to make sure there's no bleeding. And yeah. I just found, yeah. I'm pretty sure you found, found the same kind of issue that there's a lot of times where that Vaseline gauze doesn't come off as easily after being yeah. on for four days as it does after just yeah. being on for 30 minutes. So, But at the same time, it depends on the preference of the doctor who does your circumcision. Mm-hmm. It's true. But if you're listening to this, you probably aren't doing the circumcision. <laughs> So, um, and you are the person who sees the end result, which uh, <laughs> I'm probably not, right? But yeah, if you are the parent and you've never seen it before, what a penis looks like after circumcision can be a little surprising in a scary yes, way. I always tell my parents, hey, look, when you first see this, when the nurse comes in in 30 minutes, uh-huh. but I tell them, I said, hey. When your child comes back and the nurse goes to check for bleeding, I want you both to get up and look at the circumcision. Yeah, because it's going to be beefy red. It's going to look like chopped up hamburger meat. You're going to be like, ooh, that is totally normal. (laughs) Is is that the phrasing you use? (laughs) Chopped up hamburger meat? It's an over-exaggeration, but I try to over-exaggerate. So when the parents see it, they're like, oh, okay, it doesn't look that bad. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it it looks pretty gnarly and you have to tell them like, look, that is normal yep. and that will get better it over will. the next few days. I mean, it, a part of me wonders if the practice of leaving that little Vaseline soaked gauze over the tip of the penis is just so the parents don't look at it until they go home. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't just leave it alone. Um, one of the pediatricians that does outpatient here on the island she does circumcisions because, you know, it is a surgical mm. procedure. You know, OB-GYNs are very skilled at surgical procedures, more so than us pediatricians. But yep. she brought up a good point. She was like, the pediatrician yes. is actually going to follow. That's so a that's good what point. She prefers, yeah, that's what she prefers to do her own circumcision so she can follow it and see, you know, make sure everything's okay. Yeah. Wow. There, there are very few things in medicine 
where you are pretty much assured that you will never see right? that ever again, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're an OB-GYN doctor, you are never going to see this child's penis again. Ever. I can't think right? of, uh, you know, like you're never ever going to see it. It's the truth. And it's, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat, you know, here because yeah. I don't do outpatient here. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good yeah, point. So when I do circumcisions in the hospital, you know, I really I never really see that kid again unless that kid gets admitted for something else later on. Mm-hmm. And then I can, you know, see my uh, see how well I did. If <laughs> I assume <laughs> if the kid is getting admitted to the hospital, the first thing that you are doing is not going to be. Well, let me just get, get a look at that penis. I'm I just not, want to see how my how I did. I, you I know, make sure things are okay. Time. I mean, can you blame me? He's I want to make for sure asthma. that it looks okay. He's here for asthma, Dr. Lawrence. <laughs> I just want to make sure. I have to do a thorough exam to make sure it looks okay. So you can reaffirm yep. like, yeah, okay, I did a good job there. So, yes, Philip. First time you, if a child comes yeah. in with a splinter in their finger and I did a circumcision, I might be like, hey. How does a circumcision, you know what? Let's just start over. Circumcisions, Vaseline, that's all you need to do. That's it. That's it. Talking about, this is how much people get hung up over this too, what it looks like, right? No matter what that thing looks like, it's probably okay. And you're going to be seeing your pediatrician within a couple days of going home from the hospital too. What you want to do is slather Vaseline on it. Something that, that often I tell parents to do because they're like, I have a hard time slathering Vaseline on that penis when it doesn't look good mm-hmm. like that. You can actually just take a, a like a handful of it and smear it right on the diaper. It's just so it doesn't stick. It'll melt around there and it, it'll be fine. Because since that skin is going is raw, you really don't want it to stick to the diaper because if it, if if the no, penis yeah. sticks to the diaper when you go to change said diaper, your child's first word will be a curse word. So Vaseline is never <laughs> too much Vaseline. Also, another key thing about circumcisions, as it heals, you will notice some like yellow tissue. It'd be like mm-hmm. yellow or even maybe greenish looking tissue on the head of the penis. That is not infected mm-hmm. tissue. That is totally normal healing tissue. Just leave put it alone. Vaseline on it. <laughs> leave it alone. Do not try to scrub that off. No. Nope. And your child yeah. cannot have a bath until that's completely healed. So I always say, say the yeah. same amount of time it takes for the cord, the umbilical cord to fall off. Oh, uh, seven to ten days. About, yeah. yeah, seven to ten days. No bath. You can sponge bath your baby, but don't put your child into a bath tub. Yeah. Yeah. So, so long story short, it really will be fine for so. Yeah, so. I've done tons of them, and they've all mm-hmm. turned out fine. Thank God. To the best of your knowledge, <laughs> they have all been just fine. So, <laughs> we're telling you this stuff. I, I think a lot of times in preparation for 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 the fact that you may see it, and also so it's at least familiar when you have to ask again, mm-hmm. and you have to be told, no, 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 no that's normal, and you can be like okay right that there was somewhere in my, it's like it's like the krebs cycle like these things that we learn in organic chemistry uh, that i don't really remember mm-hmm. now but when somebody mentions it i'm like oh yeah right that's a thing and that's part of uh how the body works i got it got it got it yeah now uh you, you touched on it briefly too the umbilical cord what to do about that with that 
forever ago. I'm going to say forever ago <laughs> because it's before our training. That wasn't that long ago. But, but a long time ago, people used to say that you need to wipe it down with alcohol. And actually, a lot of parents or grandparents now will assume that's the case. It actually turns out that it takes longer for it to heal up if you do that. So you actually don't need to do yes. anything you about the umbilical cord. leave it alone. Because what was discovered is that the immune system cells are actually what break the cord down and the alcohol was actually killing mm. those cells. So the cord was actually staying, yeah, exactly. staying attached longer. So it's best to just leave it alone mm -hmm. and it will dry up and fall off. When it does dry up and fall off, you may notice a little bit of oozing. It may bleed a little bit and that is 100% yeah. normal as days. well. Yeah. And sometimes you'll get kind of like a mucusy kind of appearance to it. Mm -hmm. Or because it's those same kind of cells that I was talking about, uh, it might have a pus kind of appearance to it. Uh, that's that's okay. But it really should slow down within a few days. So if, if not, Absolutely. you know, call your pediatrician like like everything else. So Val, did did we did we talk about everything that I we meant to talk about today? So. I think, I think we covered so. everything. I think we did. Yeah, I, th I think so. That's So that's it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> that is everything you need to know. <laughs> that is everything. <laughs> Podcast over. Um, no, there will be, <laughs> there will be, there will be so many more questions that come up, and that's okay too. But some of these things will be uh, familiar to you since you've listened to us. So you're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like always call us because we may not be talking about where you are with your child at the moment. But uh, if you have questions that don't pertain to what we're talking about, or if you have questions about anything that we said here, give us a call. All of our contact info is on our website, twotireddocs.com. You can call us, leave us a voicemail, or you can call our SpeakPipe page and leave us a message directly and just let us know how to contact you because we, we could have your message on our actual um, mini episodes in between. So we'd, we'd love to hear from you if there's anything that you would like to know that you'd like us to try to answer for you. Yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. I do believe they can email us as well if yes. they have questions they would like to email. That's true. And, of course, we are officially on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and I think a couple other things. So feel free to subscribe, rate, review, all that kind of stuff. Unless you don't have anything good to say, in which case, <laughs> listen to something else. Like... <laughs> which case, in that case, just keep this. listening until you just find keep... something good to say. <laughs> until you find... And then yeah. rate us. <laughs> People are too pessimistic nowadays, you know? If you can't find something good to say about what we have to tell you, then just don't say anything else. <laughs> we may have to do, um, is that Jimmy Kimmel where celebrities read bad tweets or negative yeah. tweets or something like that? We'd have to possibly like read negative reviews or oh, something. Oh, no. Are we going to have that many? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. I'm looking forward to it. So send yes. us those reviews. Send us, send us all. <laughs> well, thank you again for listening to us again, everybody. As as always, of course, we are most likely not your child's pediatrician. So we are not a substitute for real medical advice and real medical care. If you have any real medical issues, make sure to give a call to your pediatrician. They're waiting to hear from you, quite frankly. And, uh, yeah, and of course, absolutely. you can if you if you feel like it, go to our website and read our disclaimer too. If you're really into disclaimers. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will hope to hear... No, we hope you hear from us soon. Is that right? 
<laughs> we hope you hear from us soon. And until next time, friends, remember, just because it's normal doesn't mean it's easy. You're doing the hard work, so take the time to be kind to yourselves. Thanks, everybody. Ta-ta. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha